Coming to you from the Forge of Freedom studio in the heart of America, a podcast dedicated to preserving freedom and inspiring personal success. Freedom is born and lives through you, the individual, and it dies in the shadows of tyranny. Motivating our listeners to become well-rounded, freedom-minded people with the body of an athlete, the mind of a stoic, and the spirit of a warrior. The Tree of Liberty lives on through you, the Forge of Freedom. And now here's your host, Alex Uli. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forge of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uli, and this is episode 79 of the Forge of Freedom. Uh, today for Monday Gun Day, I've got Paul Lathrop in the studio. Uh, as you're probably used to having seen my, my dad, Mike Uli, in the studio, but got a little change of pace this week and I get uh, Paul Lathrop in the, in the guest seat. Uh, I think he, he's used to being on the host side of things, but we're going to sort of switch roles here a little bit. So Paul, well, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Alex. It's the least I could, you, you've been on the air for me hundreds of times. I could take some time out to be on your show at least once. Well, <laughs> a few weeks ago, I was trying to to think how many times I'd, I'd been on the air with you. And I, I know through April of this year, I think it was around 80 times. So it's getting close to the 100 mark if it's not over the, the 100 mark by now. So I uh, really appreciate you joining the show. And of course, I always enjoy uh, joining your show as, as a guest as well. Speaking of which, uh, Paul is the the man behind the Polite Society podcast, and we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. He's also the founder, along with his wife, Susan, of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Uh, Paul, you have uh, you and I met, and we were talking about this just a little bit before we hit the record button. You and I met in 2019 at the NRA annual meeting. I, I actually learned about you in 2016 after you'd been a guest on Gun Talk with Tom Gresham. Uh, but you, you'd had a podcast for a while before that, right? You started around, around 2012. Is that yeah. right? February of 2012 was the first episode of what would become the Polite Society podcast. Back then, it was I, I had this really creative names of really creative name of the Politics and Guns podcast. And you started as politics and guns. What was your, I guess, what was your motivation to start the podcast back in 2012? Was there anything in particular that, that motivated you to start the podcast? Almost oh, definitely. I was absolutely sick and tired of Barack Obama. And I'd been listening to podcasts for a while, some of which I went, I started listening to and they've started to get really big. And I thought, you know, I've always been told I have a really good voice. I've been told I speak reasonably well. All I have to do is start this podcast, put out well thought out, reasoned opinions. People will jump on board and together we'll all get Barack Obama out of office. He will not get a second term. And obviously I failed miserably. Well, that that was February 2012. We'll, we'll just chalk it up to may, maybe you didn't have quite enough time to, to keep that from <laughs> happening. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you started politics and guns in, in early 2012. When did it morph into the Polite Society podcast? It took, uh, I'm going to say it took two years, two and a half. Uh, it, it, it all came about at SHOT Show. 
when I started podcasting, I started growing an audience, but it, it it's always seemed like I hit a cap. And whenever I asked somebody if they would be interviewed on the podcast, they'd go, politics and guns. What about politics is it? And which side are you on? And and when and the politics seem to be turning everybody else off when I asked them to be on politics and guns. So I wanted to change the name just because of that. And then a good friend who was in podcasting but no longer is, Chaz Murray, who is the unnamed trucker of the Road Gunner podcast, uh, suggested that, well, armed society i mean an armed society is a polite society that that'd be a pretty good name and i i I thought it was a fantastic idea so when shot show uh 2018 2019 was rolling around when that i i decided then that we're gonna go to the polite society podcast something a little more obvious the direction of the show that uh the, it would make things easier, and it did. And it's the name is just—I've never even thought since then of changing the name. Yeah, well, it, it, we talk about just that concept—the the idea that a, a polite society or an armed society is a polite society frequently, right? Uh, I mean, that's that's a, one of the core concepts uh, of uh, an armed citizenry is that if people know that others are armed, you're more likely to to be polite to them and, and to be civil. Uh, whereas uh, in a, a society where everyone is disarmed except the criminals, of course, there's there's more chaos, and and I think that uh, that that name captures that idea uh, nicely. And I don't remember. Do you know off the top of your head who came up with that phrase? Uh, armed society is a polite society. Robert Heinlein, the uh, yeah. sci-fi author, okay. uh, and was the person that came up with that. Okay. Any idea how many episodes you've re- you've released uh, up till now? We are of the Polite Society podcast, the Monday evening show. We are in the six hundred seventies right now. Uh, now I've done for the last three years. I've been doing a separate news show that that uh, happens throughout the week. If I add that in, I'm going to say I'm probably over a thousand episodes between the two shows. But uh, of Polite Society, we are uh, 670 plus. I've done seven Polite Society news shows, which, by the way, you were the first guest on. Oh, very, very cool. I'd actually forgotten that I was one of the first guests, if not the first guest. So um, I I knew I was early, but... Didn't know I was the first, so that that's yeah, cool. You, you were episode one of Polite Society News. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I know you don't. Uh, you're not a podcaster full time, and and neither am I. This is episode seventy nine, and I know how much work has gone into seventy nine episodes, and you've got over ten times the number of episodes that I've got. So I know it's been quite uh, an undertaking. What what motivates you to to keep going. I know it can't be to get uh, Barack Obama out of office anymore. So uh, what what motivates you to keep going with the podcast? The real motivation to keep going is the people I connect with, not just the people on the air, although that is a huge part of it. I love talking to other Second Amendment advocates, 
But starting about uh, four, three and a half, four years ago, I went from recording a traditional podcast where it was just over audio. We all met over, uh, at the time it was Skype and we used Zoom for a while. But uh, I moved from that to doing an absolute live broadcast. And the instant feedback I get is just phenomenal. And I love talking to people. I love getting that feedback. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of my view, live viewers and listeners are much smarter than I am. And I like to think that, that, that the shows I do are, are, are their shows as well. They can get their opinions out as long as they can type fairly quickly. <laughs> Well, I know when you started Polite Society News, that was a, a recorded uh, show, and you went to, to live broadcast not too long after you started Polite Society News. And I remember uh, I was a little bit uneasy about the the live broadcast uh, with you know with comments or, or listeners commenting live on on the air on YouTube and, and Facebook, and I think you broadcast on. Is it Rumble and yep. do you broadcast anywhere else? Or are those the three main? No, it goes the I go I push to uh to Facebook, YouTube and Rumble and also to a, a place called Ops Lens. Ops Lens you is something you can get any if you've got a smart TV, you can get the Ops Lens app for your TV. I go there and then from there it goes out to a lot of the places I just mentioned, plus Getter, plus uh, I believe they, they they broadcast live on a few other video channels that I honestly had never heard of until they sent me a report saying this is how many views your show is getting through us on these outlets. And I was stunned. Yeah. And and you get uh, comments, at least I know from, from YouTube and Facebook, do you get comments from uh, live comments from other sources there as well? Not very often, and and the only one I can get that is not Facebook or YouTube, and that is uh, if I if somebody comments on Rumble, I I get an email that the comment has come in, but then I have to jump over and see what the comment is, and I can't often put them on the air live because that's the the time delay is too time time consuming. By the time I find out what the comment is, we've probably moved off to another topic. So if somebody wants to comment live, they need to to catch the show on, on YouTube or, or Facebook, really. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I'm obviously, I'm not the only guest that comes on polite society news. You have a, a lot of other really great guests that come on the show as well. I know you, you talk to Tom walls, uh, from firearms Academy of Seattle on a, on a regular basis and Mike Peebleworski and, and Brooke Cheney and, and some other great guests as well. And you, you cover a, really a, a broad range of topics uh, what, where do you see the, sh the show going in the future? Are you, are you hoping to, to make any changes or do you see any evolutions with the show coming up anytime soon? I, I don't really see anything changing from where it's, and, and primarily polite society focuses around gun rights. Uh, I, I will, as my mind wanders and I pick up ideas here and there, they will come out on the air at one point or another. But uh, primarily, it's centered around uh, the, our Second Amendment rights, uh, and I don't see it going a whole lot of anywhere else. I could maybe 
expand out a little. I'm 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 a small L libertarian uh, in my political beliefs. I believe I have the I should have the right to do absolutely anything I choose as long as I don't hurt another human being. Everything else should be my decision on what to do, and that's uh, that feeds my political views. And I just don't see that changing enough that I would bring anything else in. I, I also I don't want to. Alien, we've got a fat, rather large audio download audience. We have a, a fair live video audience, but we've got a really large audio download audience. I don't want to alienate them and and cause them to go away by me talking about trucking, which I'm very knowledgeable about. I did it for 20 years by do, by talking about, you know, I don't know, uh, competitive archery or anything like that. Just I, I'm going to stick to Second Amendment rights. Yeah. Well, I, th I think it's it's fair to say that you have a, a, a devoted following, and that's, I think, largely um, because obviously you're, you're very knowledgeable, you, you do speak well, and you have a great, a great voice for uh, for the show and and uh, for your listeners, but you've also been consistent for for many years in, in building that following. Uh, so I think that's been a key to your success. Uh, but one thing I'd like you to to mention, uh, I, I talked about. You know, you don't do this full time. You, you you have another job. You haven't always been into podcasting. Tell us a little bit about Paul Lathrop before podcasting. What what you mentioned truck driving is is that what you did primarily before you got into podcasting? I did. Uh, I started driving truck. I drove for, as I mentioned, almost 20 years. I started driving truck in 2002 and uh, got into listening to podcast. Let me back up a little bit. Um, driving truck, one of the issues you've got is you can listen to a radio station for about 30 miles, maybe 50 if it's overnight and they've got out flamethrower of a signal on the am band you there's a few stations you can pick up for several hundred miles but uh generally you listen to a show a half hour at a time you don't get a full show out of out of out of your drive anywhere if you're listening to radio so i found satellite radio where you can listen to the doesn't matter where you are if you're in north america you can listen to satellite radio through that, I found Tom Gresham. I used to love listening to Gun Talk on Sundays. Well, he mentioned that he had something called a podcast and that it was just a show, pack up, packaged up, and you could listen to it anytime you want, anywhere you want. That's how I discovered podcasts. The very first podcast I ever listened to was Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. And he introduced every once in a while, he would have a podcaster on and he would introduce and then they'd talk to them. I'd, I'd go and find that podcast. Generally, I found I liked it. And that introduced me to several others. And what I found was these people did not have a radio voice. They did not have good presentation. And they generally just and they had the right idea. They just didn't express it very well. And I thought, you know, I can do better than this. And so I talked to my wife. We've always had this. If we're going to be spending money over a certain amount that we would talk to each other about it. I told her, look, I want to buy a laptop computer to use on the road for connection. And I want to buy a microphone and this and that. It's going to be a couple hundred bucks. 
And she said, okay. And then we started getting the bill for the cellular internet. And that, that was an issue. But by then I'd built up a little bit of an audience. I was, I was able to convince her that, yeah, this is, this is a good thing to continue on with. And God bless her. She's, there's been times in, well, since 2012, we're now in uh, 23, going on 12 years. There's been times I've been ready to throw in the towel. And she's the one that's pushed me to keep going, keep doing this. You've got something. Do not give it up. So she's she's my biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Yeah, Susan, I, I, I've met Susan a few times. And, and for those who haven't met her, you're, you're missing out. She's a, a wonderful person and, and a obviously a, a huge cheerleader of yours uh, because I think she she realizes that what you're doing and the message that, that you're promoting and spreading is, is an important one. So uh, I think you'd probably agree with that, wouldn't you, Paul? That, that oh, she's, yeah. Obviously, you say she's your biggest cheerleader, but uh, she uh, she understands the importance of what you, you're doing and, and I think the, the amount of satisfaction I think that you probably get from it. Yeah, and I, I I feel almost like I've drug her along with me because she's become an activist in her own right. She is, I, I don't know if you discussed them on the air yet, but uh, the D.C. Project, now Women for Gun Rights, she's the South Dakota State Coordinator for that group. And uh, she's she's doing things here in South Dakota that I don't have time to do, I don't have the inclination to do, but she's went ahead and took it on her shoulders. And she's every bit as much of a second amendment advocate as I am. Yeah. That, and that's a, a, an amazing thing really for, for any couple to be able to find something uh, that, that you can enjoy and, and work on and, and do together. But uh, I think that you and Susan sure, certainly share that. I know we were talking about uh, riding motorcycles and I think you were mentioning that she's uh, started to develop a little bit of a passion for that. She was riding to work. I think you told me a 25 degree Weather. Yes, uh, <laughs> that was uh, so, just, so motorcycles and guns, right? What, yeah, what two better things could you bond over? Exactly. And, you know, and, yeah, the, there's there are a lot of similarities between the two. Neither one of them are cheap. You're, to, to, <laughs> to get into guns is not inexpensive. And motorcycling, they may say it's inexpensive and it may not be that expensive to buy your first beginner bike. But once you get into it, yeah, you're going to be spending serious money on bikes. And they're both, they give you deep, deep satisfaction. And if you get into them right, they give you relaxation. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Paul, you, you mentioned uh, one of the things that you love about uh, Polite Society News and, and, and the podcast is the, the people that you get to meet, the, the, the networking. And you mentioned Tom Gresham. Uh, I know you've been on his show at least once. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of the other folks that you have on it as guests. Is is there anybody else outside of Susan that you would say has been a, a, a big supporter of yours or, or a mentor? Did, did you sort of lean on? Is there anybody else that you've leaned on a lot to sort of, I don't know, for advice or to to, to uh, get through some tough times with the show, uh, anything like that? Is there anybody else that uh, you'd like to point out? Well, in the in the very beginning, and the one who really got me convinced to do it was Chaz Murray. He did a fantastic show 
called the Road Gunner podcast. He was another truck driver and was uh and and had a podcast. He was the one that really got the ball rolling and early on I I joined a network called the Self Defense Radio Network. And not no, I'm sorry, that's my my network. It was uh the Gun Rights Radio Network was the one Mark Vandenberg did. Mark helped get me onto his network and provided podcasting advice uh, to get keep me going through tough times, to get me through challenges. There, there really are two people, and they're currently helping me. Uh, they're currently part of the Polite Society podcast team that you hear on Monday nights, or or if you catch the Polite Society proper podcast, they're two of the people you hear, and that's Rob Morse, who's been now with me for ten of the twelve years. And Amanda Suffolk, who's been with me, I believe, the last four or five years. Both of those people I consider much smarter than I am. Both of them are fantastic people and uh, and, and are a great part of the success of the show. I, I lay at the feet of those two. Yeah. Well, I, I can certainly vouch for uh, Rob and Amanda both being uh, fantastic individuals, uh, incredibly smart. Uh, Rob, of course, uh, he runs the the blog, Self Defense Gun Stories. Am I getting that right? That's uh, his podcast, yeah, and the Slow Facts blog. Yeah, his Slow Facts blog. Sorry, I, I mixed that up. Uh, but the Slow Facts blog, he he writes frequently at his blog, and uh, of course, does quite a few podcasts. And Amanda has Eye on the Target Radio, and you're behind that too, aren't you? What do you do for Eye on the Target Radio? I yeah I am I do video production for her on Sundays at least most Sundays I take about one Sunday a month off uh but uh all I do is use my broadcast software that I have I built a set for her with her own graphics with you know with with her own complete style in there and I take the the audio from her radio show and I just she sends me a picture and I'll I'll put her picture up and sometimes we can merge in live video of her guest if she's got a guest or I'll just put a picture of them up but they you can tune in and watch her do her radio show every Sunday and that's a uh, nationally syndicated radio show as well right so it's broadcast uh, on radio stations around the the country as well as uh, broadcast online by by video and that's on that's broadcast on the Polite Society uh, Facebook page, right? And on the Polite Society YouTube. Yes, and okay. also on on my Rumble page as well. But and and it the the big push for that is to go to OpsLens so people can just watch it on their TV. That that's the big push. There is is for them to be able to tune in on Sunday afternoon and watch the video. Okay, very cool. Well. Y- on the same subject of uh, the podcast being a, a source of sort of networking and, and meeting great people, you and I met, like I mentioned, at the 2019 uh, NRA annual meeting, and it was actually at the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network booth, uh, speaking of great people, uh, Marty and Gila Hayes, obviously behind the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. Um, there's a... There's a, another story. Um, actually, the first time I heard about you, we met in 2019, but the first time I heard about you was in 2016 uh, on Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. Would you mind to tell us a little bit about 
the story that led to your appearance on Gun Talk uh, and the incident that that occurred in Nebraska. I think you were uh, you were a truck driver and you had a student driver along with you, right? And there was a little right. bit of a, a dust up of sorts at a truck stop. Would you mind to to tell us a little bit about what happened there? Absolutely. Um, I was I had a student. You were right. Uh, uh, that uh, we were driving from the Chicago area and we were on our way to Northern California. Well, the way you do that is you shoot across 80. Uh, we were in, we needed fuel. We pulled into a truck stop just west of Omaha, uh, a Flying J truck stop. We go to get fuel. Long story short, because I'm, I don't want to get into the whole uh I mean, we could talk about this for an hour and a half, just this incident and how it unfolded for an hour and a half. And I might not get through the whole story, but long story short, we were blocked in by another truck that was leaving that had gotten fuel. And my student goes, what do I do now? I said, well, try to jigger around this way, try to move around and, and, and adjust out that way. We couldn't do it. We were flat stuck. I told my student, look, beep on the horn. And so he lets a blast go on the air horn. And this guy comes out of the truck, and he's walking straight and quickly for my truck. I'm in the bunk. I had been sleeping before the my student stopped to get fuel. And the guy reaches up, grabs the mirror, and starts climbing the stairs on the driver's side of the truck. My student's window is open. Um, my, one of my rules for my students was if somebody yells stop, you can't hear it with your window open. So if you're backing, if you're negotiating in tight areas, you have to have your window down. I just knew this guy was going to come through the window and start pummeling on my student, who, by the way, is a guy, fantastic guy. I'm still friends with him. Five foot six, if I'm generous and not not physically built, but. um. The guy is coming up the truck, and I yell at the guy, dude, I've got a gun in my best command voice I can muster. The guy gets huge round platters of eyes, does a, does a complete spin, and starts marching back to his truck. And I consider, look, incident over. I never had to draw my gun. I never had to do anything. The guy got in his truck and drove away we we got we we were in the truck we put the this truck our truck in gear left and about 30 minutes later we're pulled over by the nebraska state patrol and i ended up spending long long story short again i ended up, ended up spending five nights in jail and for the next six months fighting charges of terroristic threats and the use of a firearm in commission of a felony, which is the, the, the terroristic threat. And I could have spent 55 years in a Nebraska prison because this guy claimed I got out of the truck, was waving a chrome revolver around in his face as I'm standing in front of the truck asking if he wanted to die tonight. Uh, he made the whole story up that the... the, the the firearm they confiscated from me when they when they did pull the truck over, I did have my absolutely rock stock 
Glock model 2240 caliber in flat black. That was the, the firearm they confiscated. The, the charges were eventually dropped uh, through Marty Hayes, through, uh, through, thank God for the podcast. We had a lot of people donate money for my legal defense. I was able to afford a rock star attorney in Omaha, and the charges got dropped when the state of Nebraska, the guy who drove the other truck just flat disappeared. They couldn't find him to come testify again. And so eventually everything went away. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, there are a lot of lessons to learn in that, that story. Right. Um, one of which is what what we often refer to as the race to the telephone, right. And that, uh, the person, the first person to call 911 is perceived by the system to be the victim. And it's hard to reverse that sort of presumption within the, the system. And uh, this dude called and apparently uh, portrayed himself as a victim and, and you as the bad dude. And, and that was the way that you were treated uh, yeah. for months, for months. And uh, I know at the time, you, I think you mentioned that, that you were not a member of ACLDN. Nevertheless, uh, Marty uh, worked to try to get you support, uh, of course, not from the uh, membership fund at the ACLDN, but through other folks in the firearms industry to help you raise money. Is that, is that fair to say? That's absolutely fair to say. Um, I, yeah. I owe a debt of gratitude and I will for the rest of my life to Kathy Jackson, who, uh, if you are at all familiar with, uh, train, the training world, Kathy Jackson wrote the book, the cornered cat, a woman's guide to concealed carry. By the way, guys get that book for your wife, but before you give it to her, read it because it's got a lot of good stuff for us in there. Uh, but we don't anyway, want to give our, our wives a head start to, especially <laughs> if they're already smarter than us. Right. Oh, and, and open secret. Many of them are, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> Kathy had been, Kathy was the very first firearms professional training. I took, I convinced her to come up to Sioux Falls. We sold a class of a, I think it was a dozen and a half people, like 18 people took her cornered cat class. I was able to take it for free because I organized it and sold the seats. She was operating through the firearms Academy of Seattle. That's where she got her instructor credentials. And she made the connection to Marty Hayes and between her and Marty, they put word out that I needed help. And that was a huge huge part of why I got so much help. Uh, and, and yeah, Marty kicked in money out of his own pocket for my legal defense. He, I never got a pen, nor should I have ever gotten a penny from ACLDN's defense fund because I was not a member. I am a member now. I have been uh, since charges were dropped six months after that. Uh, so I will be for the rest of my life as well. I honestly believe ACLDN is, if you're in, if you are interested in in legal protection in the aftermath of uh, of a of a self defense incident or a misinterpretation of a self defense incident, you need to be a member of ACLDN. It it could have saved me tens of thousands of dollars, and I'm not exaggerating. To get to trial was ten thousand dollars, and then 
it was I want to say I want to say twenty five hundred dollars a day just in the attorney fees every day of trial. Yeah, which and could easily God, have been a four or five day trial. Yeah, and, 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 and thank goodness it never got there. Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know, like you said, Paul, the, the ACLDN is a a post defense member support network. So uh if people if their members are involved in a, a self-defense incident even if a firearm is not discharged like this particular circumstance they have a fund to help for things like bail your attorney expert witnesses etc and i have no doubt i don't know what your your bail was but you said you were in for for five nights which was five nights too many Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course you had to, to post a, a bail of some sort, I'm sure uh, on top of that had to pay an attorney. So those fees add up quickly. Yes. Um, then the interesting thing about Nebraska is I was arrested on a Friday evening. They have bail court arraignment court. They have arraignment court on Wednesday and that's it. If you're arrested Thursday morning, you're going to spend a week in jail before you see a judge. How that's a fair and speedy trial, I have no idea. But uh, you, you're going to spend a week in jail before you ever see a judge, before bail is ever discussed. And, yeah, I, uh, if I wouldn't have had contributions, the bail itself was $5,000, $5,500, which was... Ten percent of fifty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, and yeah. Anyway, yeah, depending that, on that, the jurisdiction, yeah, depending on the jurisdiction, could be much higher. It sounds like you were facing a significant charge if you were facing fifty-five years. I know where I practice primarily. If you're facing fifty-five years, it wouldn't be uncommon to have a bail of. Twenty-five, thirty, forty thousand dollars or more. So, uh, cash bail of that high. Yeah. So, uh, so you could easily be facing an insurmountable bail. So, uh, number one, and I don't want to rehash this too much. People should go and and listen to. Uh, I think you were on. I'll link to it if I can find it. The uh, episode you were on, Gun Talk with Tom Gresham. Uh, but the race to the telephone, incredibly important. Uh, if if a firearm is involved, even if you haven't fired the gun, uh, you should call nine one one because you may have you may be involved with a situation like a guy like this who knows how the system works and tries to game the system. Uh, because let's face it, a lot of people who have been involved in the the criminal justice system know exactly how it works. Those of us who have not uh, don't necessarily understand the dynamics there. So uh, race to the telephone is incredibly important. Uh, become a member of one of these post-defense support networks. Uh, ACLDN, I think, is, is as good as any. Um, there are other good ones out there as well. But uh, you and I both know that Marty Hayes and Gila Hayes over there are, are wonderful people. Uh, the other thing is that you were probably, I suspect, offered some kind of plea. Were you ever offered a plea? Initially, yes, they wanted me to plead to the the five-year terroristic threats 
and they would drop the the 50-year commission of fire of, of, of felony with a firearm and i i, I balked immediately in my mind i'd done nothing wrong there was nothing to plead to i just was really hoping my attorney could take care of it before it got to trial yeah and thank but goodness you are sitting in jail you couldn't post bail that five years versus 55 starts to look good at some point especially if you're represented by a public defender potentially mm -hmm. etc so you you could see why somebody might take a plea when in fact they're they're not guilty so that's why it's important to have the support that you need so that you can defend yourself appropriate appropriately you agree with that paul oh yeah uh I, I, if you own a firearm you i'm gonna say just you need to be a member of a organization like acldn i personally believe acldn is the best out there period not only for the cost but for what you get there's nobody that does it better than acldn period there's also very few that do it as inexpensively as acldn does um and i do yeah, i they have a oh sorry go ahead no, I, the, I do have a relationship with ACLDN. I do occasionally receive a check from ACLDN for, for them sponsoring me, for them using my story. But I would say that whether – I just wanted to be open. I would still say that whether or not I, I got money from them. They are – I would never go to anybody else. I would not let anybody else use my story because nobody does it as good as ACLDN does. Well, uh, I, I agree with that. I, I don't get any monetary compensation from them, but I should, should disclose that I am an affiliate attorney with the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. So if somebody were in a, an incident near my region, they I would be on a list of attorneys they could call, but I don't get paid in any way by the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network, but nevertheless would say that they are an excellent excellent organization. Uh, they also have a, what's nice, one of the things that's nice is that they have a, a family membership as well. So if you have a spouse or, or others in the household, that family membership can help you save some, some money as well. Uh, but the other thing too, I mean, this drives me crazy and maybe it doesn't drive you as crazy as it does me, Paul, because I see this every day as a criminal defense attorney. You were facing 55 years and they offered you five. That mm -hmm. tells you how guilty they really thought you were, is, right? I mean, if they thought you were guilty of the 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 full uh, crime, there's no way they would offer you five years, right? I mean, that th this was just prosecutors playing games to try to get some kind of conviction uh, because it was a, there was a gun involved. That's exactly it. I've I've. I've heard I, I cannot I could not testify to this in court. This is all hearsay, so to speak. Uh, I heard stories when I was going through my incident uh, from a couple different sources. One, my attorney, I absolutely trust. There was a former sheriff. This was in Sarpy County, Nebraska. There was a former sheriff that uh, was brought up on charges in Sarpy County because he let a soon-to-be-single mother borrow a firearm while going through a divorce because 
the soon to be X was a was a little bit of a loose cannon and nobody was certain whether he would go after this soon to be young mother or not because he didn't go through the the registration scheme Nebraska had at the time the guy was brought up on charges a sheriff I mean come on yeah there there there's a uh, actually a sheriff in in the county where I'm from facing 15 felony counts as we speak he was just brought for an initial hearing uh last week so uh I hate to see it because sheriffs are, are really if, if sheriffs embrace their role as as constitutional uh, peace officers, uh, I should say, I think that they can be sort of the, the last bastion of protection of constitutional protection for our, our individual liberties before us, of course. I mean, we, we are our own uh, best protection. But in terms of law enforcement, I think I think sheriffs are are next in line, uh, and I hate to see it when when sheriffs just uh, flagrantly absolve themselves of of their obligations and and uh, basically make a fool of their their department and and themselves. So I hate to see that sort of thing. By and large, I trust sheriffs simply because they are answerable to the people. Uh, most sheriffs come up for election every so often, whether it be every two years, every four years, whatever. Uh, and if they get too aggressive in their office or too passive in their office, they have to answer the people when the next election comes around and all of a sudden they're unemployed. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That's been my experience uh, here in Indiana as well. They're, they're generally the best uh the if if you go up uh in terms of so like the state police in indiana are are the worst in my experience they're the most anxious to do uh, to violate your rights to to snoop around on your property to to invade your your uh your your rights etc uh and as you go down the line to to more local i, I think it gets better so uh and i i, I would i would count the county sheriff as as the most local and most most accountable uh, the other uh, what i'm in my experience in in reporting on second amendment stories the other the other way can be bad as well uh, uh, city police chiefs are often very anti-gun and they are appointed by mayors who uh, there's a lot of mayors i would say probably a plurality of the mayors out there are democratic uh, party and when you're when you are appointed by somebody you kind of have to go lockstep in what their ideal is and if they say jump you must ask how high yeah. i don't like police chiefs I, I i tend to go for elected officials like sheriffs yeah i agree with that one thing uh, i want to mention one last thing i want to mention before we leave the uh, your story about uh, the incident in nebraska is that it, you mentioned a couple of times your your rock star attorney, and I want to point out how important I think that is to to have an attorney that I think is generally familiar with self defense and and with firearms, but also I think it's important. I'm curious to to know what you, to hear what you think about this. I think it's important to get one that's familiar with the local 
uh, sort of way of doing things in the criminal justice system because county to county things operate differently. And it's, I think it's important to have somebody who's familiar with the judge, familiar with the prosecutor, f- familiar with the law enforcement departments, et cetera, because they can gain a lot of insight that somebody from out of the area might not know. Is, is, is that your experience as well, Paul? I would agree with that. And you want somebody that's specifically uh, knowledgeable in self-defense law in your state. Uh, don't I, I've got a I've still carry. I don't, I don't know if I can pull it out in a moment's notice, but I think I can. I still carry the card for my attorney, for my Nebraska attorney in my wallet, because he is also I don't know that I would ever hire him, but he's also uh, licensed to practice in South Dakota. However, like you said, he's a Nebraska attorney. He's uh, he's a guy that that knows the laws inside out, frontwards and backwards in Nebraska, South Dakota, probably not so much. Um, where I, but you want to, where I started to go with this is you want to know somebody that knows self-defense law and a lot of attorneys, a lot of criminal defense attorneys, I don't, I know you're a criminal defense attorney, Alex. I don't mean to put this in the wrong way. I, I hope you don't take it wrong. Oh, no worries. They, they deal with guilty people all the time. They deal with people that did the crime. They're, they're interested in getting the case resolved, especially if you go public defender. They're all about getting the case involved. They're way too overloaded. They, they need to get rid of their, some of their cases, so they're going to they're gonna be absolutely amenable to a uh, plea deal, if you are, even if you're not guilty. Try and get somebody who defends people didn't who don't all you know they're they're not always just the the bad guys lawyers you you don't want the the lawyer for the local crime lord you want you want an attorney that that is knowledgeable in self-defense and defends the regular guy yeah i i don't know i don't have numbers uh, off the top of my head but a very low percentage of my clients are completely innocent uh, and very few of my cases are self-defense cases, uh, let alone a self-defense case with a firearm. Uh, so you need somebody who understand, and that's the, that's the case for most criminal defense attorneys. Uh, and they don't, they just don't understand. They're not gun people. Uh, by and large, the legal community is not very gun friendly. Uh, so your likelihood of finding a criminal defense attorney that is knowledgeable about firearms, knowledgeable about self-defense, and who uh, would know how to represent somebody who's comp- truly innocent uh, is going to be a tough combination to find. And that's one of the great things about something like the ACLDN, right, is they help you connect with those sorts of attorneys. So uh, incredibly, incredibly important. Yeah, it is. And uh I want to dovetail off this and stay on Nebraska for just another minute because uh, one other thing that opened my eyes in this whole thing was spending five nights in jail. Jail is not a place where uh, generally most of the people in jail, even pre-arraignment, where they're just, you're, you're in a holding cell, and there's in my case, there was probably 50 other people in that same room I was in. Um, I'm going to say 
I was probably the only really innocent person in there. Uh, everybody else I, I encountered, I could see why they were in jail and I didn't have a problem with them being there. Uh, and, and you want to avoid, if at all possible, avoid spending even one night in an environment like that. Five nights, that's, that's enough to last me the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And here's one thing I'll say is that while most of my clients are guilty of something, they're not, they're usually not guilty of everything they've been charged with. But so that's, that's where a lot of the, the work gets done is figuring out what they are and are not guilty of, but they're nevertheless, they're guilty of something. So they're still criminals usually. Uh, and you don't want to be in jail where 98% of the jail population is is a criminal it's just not not a good place to be that that seems obvious but uh one of the problems and i I don't know what your experience was like paul is that jail staff they're not a lot of times excited to be there either and they're not terribly interested in and taking care of your complaints or or sorting out uh petty jail fights etc so um if you're in, you've got to keep your nose clean and don't talk to people because there are lots of jailhouse snitches as well. Oh, yeah. I am one. And, and obviously, you know, Polite Society podcast is the uh, is the upshare that I love to talk. I love conversing with people. I love having conversations. Uh, it just it, it it's 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 a charge for me. And five days, sit down, shut up, and don't talk to anybody. That that was that was a challenge in and of itself. Yeah, brutal. Uh, well, Paul, one thing I'd like you to mention we we touched on it just briefly is the self defense radio network. What what is the self defense radio network, and and uh, tell us how that got started and where it stands today. Where it got started was. Well, uh, let me go back up way back to 2012 again. And I, when I very first got started, there was a, a gun rights radio network run by a man named, who again was a podcaster, no longer in it, but by name run by a guy named Mark Vanderberg. And uh, at the time, very big network. It slowly faded and, uh, and went away. I'm going to say, eight or nine years ago now and in its absence when when gun rights radio network went away uh a few people tried to start networks i kind of joined them and then nothing ever happened with the network period well i got to talking with uh bob main who does uh the handgun world podcast and he and i decided maybe we would make a go of starting a network Bob decided very shortly after we started it that, yeah, it, it wasn't for him. But we'd gotten a core of really good podcasters together. And we decided the, the, we, we had named it the Self-Defense Radio Network. That's because a lot of what we do is about, uh, about firearms and about self-defense. And it's it's continually grown since we very first started right now i believe there are 14 shows on the network we're we're looking to add more as as we go forward but uh that's that's where it got its start uh was was 
that there wasn't a place where a lot of like-minded podcasts could go and somebody could just go to one website, see them all, sample them and what they liked they could keep and what they didn't, you know, fair, you know, fair enough. I, I like the idea. I mean, even today as podcast platforms have improved, you know, a lot of times if you, if you get your podcast on, on Spotify or, or Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, there are suggestions for related podcasts or podcasts you might like. A lot of times those suggestions aren't that great. Some, sometimes they're decent, but sometimes not so great. So that's, what's nice about the self-defense radio network is you've sort of curated, you know, uh, podcasts where with similar topics and, and, uh, you know, where, where people might find uh, content that they, they enjoy. So uh, you've sort of created your own suggested uh, and recommended podcast list, essentially. Is that, is that fair? That's absolutely fair. I will guarantee you if you go to, uh, if I could plug our, our website a little bit, uh, yeah, SDRN, sure. SDRN.us. Uh, if you go there, you're not going to find any podcasts that are related to growing roses. You're not going to find any podcasts on 17th century literature. You're going to find podcasts that center around firearms and freedoms. And that's pretty much it. We, we do, when somebody wants to join the network, we do go, we listen to their stuff. We, we, uh, we have a few ground rules of you gotta be, you've got to have this number of episodes. You have to have, you know, you have to be talking about this as your major topic and we, you know, we curate, we curate, I guess is the right term, and make sure that they fit in with us. Yeah. yeah and you, you've got, uh, what was this? I've got the link here in front of me. What was it again? SDRN. Dot US. Uh, dot US. Yeah. And I'll link to that in the show notes, of course, so that our listeners have easy access to that. But how many, how many shows did you, did you say you have now? Um, you've got... Uh, on the front page right now, we have 11 shows uh, there. We had at one point almost 15. We've had some shows that faded out and went away, and we're, we're, we're looking to add more. It's just that how do I, I, I don't know how to put this without giving away too much inside information. I'm the president. I started the thing. I don't really run it anymore. Uh, the running it, running it is all done by a three-person board that are also podcasters on the platform. And I that happened when I took a job that uh, made me focus 100% of my, my uh, efforts on doing a daily show. I just did not have time to put into the network. And so I, I rely on those three uh, people to run the run the ins and outs of SDRN Self Defense Radio Network. I kind of just step back and I'm a little bit of a spokesperson. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of cool too, though, right? I mean, you you started it; it it's your baby, and you've got some other folks who have kind of taken up taken over a little bit and, and run with it. So it's kind got to be kind of nice to see, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 an easy. Uh, it, it's an easy gig for me simply because when the, the opportunity comes about, I can plug it, I can talk about it and then they, they do the heavy lifting for me. Yeah. Perfect. 
uh, I'm looking at the list here. You've got writing shotgun with Charlie, of course, with, with Charlie cook. Uh, he puts out, uh, episodes on, on YouTube and, and by podcast. I know he's been doing that for quite some time, has some great guests as well. Uh, we've talked about Rob Morse and self-defense gun stories. And of course, I on the target radio, and you've got a number of other here, number of others here as well that are, are really great that I've listened to from time to time. So I definitely would encourage our listeners to go check out sdrn.us for self-defense radio network. Um, Paul, before we close up, I just want to want to give you an opportunity to plug anything you want to plug. But one one last question before you do that. I, obviously, you've done hundreds, if not thousands, of of episodes by now. Uh, what's one of your most memorable, either moments or or episodes that you've done? If you know, uh, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I should have given you a heads up on this question, but um, that is a doozy. I mean, it, it's we. Okay, Alex, which of your children do you love the most? Yeah. I mean, that that's that's kind of the question you just asked me. Fair fair enough. Fair um, enough. Well, let, let me ask you this then. I'll, I'll ask you a different question that I think is, uh, I think, probably easier to answer. When you started the podcast, you, you probably had some some vision about where it would go. And I don't know, maybe it was a pretty modest vision or, or a grand vision. I, I don't know. But when did you... I don't know, either meeting Tom Gresham or, or meeting, you know, some big, when, when did you feel like, Oh man, I've, I've really made it, uh, because I, I got to meet this person. I, I can feel happy about what I've done with polite society because I had this opportunity to meet this or that person or go to this or that place. The very first time I felt I've absolutely made it was when I was asked, to broadcast gun rights policy conference when I was asked to, if I would had the ability and we'd be interested in taking gun rights policy conference live on the internet. Uh, for those of you who, who don't listen to my stuff, you may not know that, that I have done that the last seven years that every time gun rights policy conference, no matter what city they're in, no matter uh, which weekend it is, I go down there, I, I take my traveling roadshow, I set up all the equipment, and if, if you're in Poughkeepsie and Gun Rights Policy Conference is in Phoenix, you can be there. If it's in Orlando and you're in Oshkosh, you can be there. Uh, that That is the single most, that, that, that really let me know when they, when, when Alan Gottlieb and the Second Amendment Foundation asked me to do that, that's when I thought, you know what, I've I've arrived and my reputation is good enough. They're they're asking me to do this. I must be doing something right. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's an incredible compliment for sure to, to be asked by one of the the largest gun organizations outside of the NRA to to broadcast their premier event of the year, uh, gun rights policy conference. That's that's certainly a. Uh, Got to be a, a huge compliment and something you, you should certainly be proud of. Uh, I was there for the first time this past year in in Phoenix, and and I saw what an undertaking it it was for you to get things set up and and ready to go, uh, and not not with a lot of time to do it. Uh, by the time you sort out tech issues with the hotel and and get your gear all set up, it's uh, not not an easy task. 
it is the single most busy weekend I have, uh, and, and really this the busiest month. But that specific weekend, I am a hundred percent from Friday morning all the way. Well, really Thursday night all the way until Sunday evening, and but yet it's the the it's the, that event charges me up more than any other event I go to. I, I get yeah. the biggest battery recharge out of that event. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can uh, echo that sentiment. I, I certainly agree with that. That was my experience. It was uh, amazing to meet a bunch of uh, great people, people that I'd, I'd met only virtually and people that I'd never met at all. It was, it's a, an amazing networking event for people who care about the right to keep and bear arms. Well, Paul, I, I know you're a busy man and, and we're coming up on, on time for you to, to uh, get going here. So in closing, I, well, first of all, I'd like to say thanks for, for joining the show. I, I, I always enjoy coming on your show as, as a guest and um, finally I'm glad to finally uh, have you on uh, the Forge of Freedom uh, to talk about you and then Polite Society News and, and all the things you've got going. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to, to plug before we close up the show? Uh, not really. Uh, I, if you want to find me, it's at politesocietypodcast.com or as as we mentioned earlier, sdrn.us. You can also find us through that. Um, and I want to put one final plug in for ACLDN. Uh, again, if you are a person that owns a firearm, you've got to be backed up in one way or another. And as Alex and I discussed earlier, I think that's the best way to do it. And by golly, get yourself some training as well. I'm speaking of Marty Hayes. I can honestly proudly say I was killed twice by Marty Hayes when we did a a uh, when we did a live fire uh, uh, simunitions exercise at the Firearms Academy of Seattle active shooter interdiction training, and uh, Marty has changed my life not only in helping me get through the legal challenges but also in the training that he's that that he's helped me get uh fantastic person i owe a lot to marty i and gila i owe a lot to kathy jackson and uh all of them come out of uh, firearms academy seattle well uh paul thanks again for for joining the show i'm glad you uh, came along for for the episode today uh, i hope that our listeners enjoyed our our conversation and got to know paul lathrop the the man behind the polite society podcast and uh, behind a lot of other things as well, uh, as as I'm sure that our listeners have gleaned by now. So, uh, everybody, I hope I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to like and subscribe to help us spread the message of freedom. And and please uh, go check out Polite Society News, Polite Society Podcast, and the Self Defense Radio Network. Until next time, remember you are the forge of freedom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Forge of Freedom. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. For more information or to connect with Alex, you can go to forgeoffreedom.com or follow him on Twitter at Forge of Freedom. Until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom.